go, yes, we roll. Taste 360 degrees. High, high, 360 degrees. High, high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. High, high. Good evening and welcome everyone. Tonight, Full Circle again comes to you prepared to do our part to raise funds for KPFA with interesting programming and some related gifts as well. Tonight's show is going to commemorate the 25th anniversary of the passing of black lesbian mother warrior poet Audre Lorde with a collection of readings of her works and personal reflections from her friends and a celebration of how her life is supporting and inspiring successive efforts to combat injustice. Also, since we are in the fall fundraising drive, we will be asking for your support for KPFA and the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. All that tonight on Full Circle. I'm your host, Darlene Pagano. Please stay with us. Good evening, everyone, and welcome again to Full Circle. Recently, I've overheard some conversations going on that included references to the work of Audre Lorde. And a few weeks ago on Full Circle, the show included a clip of Audre reading one of her essays. In both of these circumstances, she was referred to as an icon. Pleased as I am to know Audre Lorde is still relevant to progressive movements, I was also startled to hear her referred to as iconic. Audra died in 1992, and I'm old enough to think of that as being just a little while ago. But I do also understand that for folks born a generation or two behind me, that is a moment of past history. Tonight, for our program on Audre Lorde, I'm happy to be joined by Andrea Kanan. Andrea is a native of New Orleans, Louisiana, and currently lives in San Francisco. She's a retired clinical social worker and served as adjunct faculty at Smith College of Social Work. Andrea holds an MFA in creative writing from the University of San Francisco. Andrea identifies as radical black lesbian activist, mother healer, teacher, and writer. She met Audre Lorde along with Maridel Lesur and Adrian Rich at a writer's conference in Austin, Texas in 1979. Audre became teacher, mentor, and beloved friend and extended family to her beginning in Austin until her death in 1992. Along with Andrea, we will be bringing you selections of Audrey's readings, reminiscences from friends, and a look at some projects going strong in struggles against injustice that are informed by her life and work. Andrea, I'm glad you're here tonight to co-host this program and lead us through this too short a celebration. Please give folks some of the story of your connection to Audrey. Well, thanks, Darlene. I'm really happy to be here, happy to report uh, to support the intern program and raise some money for KPFA. Um, uh, as I said, I met Audrey in Austin, Texas at an amazing writers' conference. On the board of many of her classes, she always wrote, "Women are powerful and dangerous." 
what she incited in writers was the ability to touch their own power, not be intimidated about it, love it, be in it, write into it, and make our lives worth everything it was, that it was worth. One of the things that she also did that, in, uh, that weekend in Austin was my partner was struggling with exactly what to do about cervical cancer. She was experiencing cervical cancer. When Audrey found out about this, she asked me to call up my partner and have her meet her for lunch. Audrey had just had a mastectomy six months before. My partner and I met Audrey for lunch, and Audrey embraced her, talked about cancer, talked about healing, talked about how women's bodies were necessary and worth taking care of, and that many medical in the medical profession did not supported her to make powerful and right decisions for her own body. This in small part is who Audrey Lord was in the world, making connections between the writing, between politics, between serving each other, between loving each other. You also referred to Audrey as uh, extended family, and you are a mother as well. How did you connect or uh, blend your family members together around that? One of the things that happened that weekend uh, was that there were the readers, the writers who had come to work with them had a reading. The other thing that happened was the writers, Maridella Sur, Adrian Rich, and Audrey Lord also wrote, also did a reading. And Audrey Lord talked about, read wonderful poems about her own daughter, about being with forever with child. My partner, who is uh, European-American, I'm African-American, um, as a biracial couple, we literally cried when she talked about her daughter um, and her partner and what it meant to be a biracial couple raising children during that time. And so much of the love and support between us also happened with my daughter, Leslie, who... Um, they loved and adored each other. So much of that support was ab- around also being a lesbian parent in a biracial relationship. And I know you keep referring to your initial meeting with Audrey, which sounds, uh, you know, as, as a spectacular event in your life. But um, you did have a relationship with her through, uh, through her death, as I understand. Audrey was an early riser. I So was I. We were often talking on the phone at 5 o'clock in the morning. And our conversations a lot were, our initial conversations were, besides being mothers and feminists and writers, had to do with race. Um, and, and how, as a Southern black woman, I internalized racism, and as a Northern woman, she did. It was one of the conversations that were ongoing between us. Thank you, Andrea. I want to give our listeners an immediate taste of Audra's talent in her own voice. Here's a fragment from Zami about her experience of being a young black lesbian in 1956 in the East Village of New York. 
So I decided to tell some of the stories of being a black lesbian growing up in New York. I remember how being young and black and gay and lonely felt. A lot of it was fine, feeling I had the truth and the light and the key. But a lot of it was pure hell. There were no mothers, no sisters, no heroes. We had to do it alone, like our sister Amazons, the riders on the loneliest outposts of the kingdoms of Dahomey. We, young, black, fine, gay, sweated out our first heartbreaks with no office chums to share the confidences. We were good listeners. We never asked for double dates, but didn't we know the rules? Why did we always seem to think that friendships between women were important enough to care about? We moved in a necessary remoteness where what did you do this weekend seemed like an impertinent question. We did it cold turkey. And although it resulted in some very imaginative, tough women when we survived, too many of us did not survive at all. I remember Muff who sat on the same seat in the same dark corner of the pony stable bar, drinking the same gin year after year. And one day she slipped off the stool onto the floor and died of a stroke right there between our feet. And we found out later her real name was Josephine. During the 50s in the village, I didn't know the few other black women who were visibly gay at all well. Too often, we found ourselves sleeping with the same white women. <laughs> we recognized ourselves as exotic sister outsiders who might gain little from banding together. Perhaps our strength might lay in our fewness, our rarity. That was the way it was downtown and uptown, meaning the land of black people seemed very far away sometimes hostile territory. Diane was fat and black and beautiful and knew it long before it became fashionable to think so. Her cruel tongue was used to great advantage, spilling out her devastatingly uninhibited wit that demolished anyone who came too close to her. That is, when she was not busy deflowering the neighborhood's resident virgins. One day, I noticed her enormous bosom, which matched my own, and it felt quite comforting rather than competitive. It was clothed in a CCNY sweatshirt, and I realized in profound shock for the first time that someone else beside me in this village gay girl scene was a college student at one of those uptown, meaning past 14th Street, colleges. <laughs> now, we would rather have died than mention classes or tests or books other than those books that everyone else was discussing at the moment, which was usually Anne Bannon. This was the 50s. And the gulf between the village gay scene and the college crowd was sharper and far more acrimonious than any town or gown wore. There were not enough of us, but we surely tried. I remember thinking for a while that I was the only black lesbian living in the village until I met Felicia. Felicia. Felicia, with the face of a spoiled nun, skinny, sharp brown, sat on my sofa at 7th Street with her enormous eyelashes that curled back upon themselves twice. 
Felicia and I came to love each other very much, even though our physical relationship was confined to cuddling. We were both part of that freaky bunch of lesbians who weren't into role-playing, and who the butchers and the femmes, black and white, disparaged with terms like kai-kai or ACDC. I thought we were the only gay black women in the world, or at least in the village, which at the time was a state of mind extending all the way from river to river below 14th Street, and in pockets throughout the area still known as the Lower East Side. I had heard tales from Flea and others about the proper black ladies who came downtown on Friday night after the last show at Smalls to find a gay girl to go muff diving with. Downtown in the gay bars, I was a closet student and an invisible black. Uptown at Hunter, I was a closet dyke and a general intruder. Maybe four people altogether knew I wrote poetry, and I usually made it pretty easy for those four of them to forget. It was not that I didn't have friends and good ones. There was a loose group of young lesbians, white, except for Flea and myself, who hung out together apart from whatever piece of the straight world we each had a separate part in. We not only believed in the realities of sisterhood, that word which was to be so abused two decades later, we also tried to put it into practice with varying results. We cared for and about each other, sometimes with more or less understanding, regardless of who was entangled with whom at any given time, in bed or otherwise. And there was always a place to sleep. There was always something to eat and a listening ear for anybody who wandered into the crew. There was always somebody calling you on the telephone to interrupt those fantasies of suicide. And that is as good a working definition of friend as any. However imperfectly, we tried to build a community of sorts where we could, at the very least, survive within a world we correctly perceived to be quite hostile to us. We talked endlessly about how best to create that mutual support, which 20 years later is still being discussed in the women's movement, Except now, most of you think it is a brand new concept. But lesbians were the only black and white women in New York City in the 50s who were making any real attempt to communicate with each other. And we learned certain lessons from each other, the value of which is not lessened by the things we did not learn. Andrea, 1956 is not a year we can make much comment on, but I am so sorry we could not let her go on tonight and tell many more stories of the rich but conflicted existence of New York City gay life. Welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 KPFA, right here at the Pacifica Mothership in Berkeley. You just heard a reading from Zombie by Audre Lorde. Tonight, for the KPFA Fun Drive on Full Circle, we're offering four wonderful works by and about Audre Lorde as premiums to further our celebration and to increase membership at KPFA. The number you'll call 
is 1-800-849-7532. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. For a pledge of $150, you can receive four works by and about Audrey. And they are the collected poems of Audre Lorde, as well as the biography, Warrior Woman, excuse me, Warrior Poet, written by Alex DeVoe. These come from the publisher W.W. Norton, which has kept many of Audrey's poetry titles in continuous print since the early 1970s. We also have two DVDs available, a litany for survival from the Third World Newsreel, which is currently celebrating its 50th anniversary as an alternative media arts organization that fosters the creation, appreciation, and dissemination of independent film and videos by and about people of color and social justice issues. So congratulations to Third World News. Real for 50 years. As well, we have Audre Lorde, another DVD from the director Dagmar Schultz. These four gifts can be yours with, a, with your donation to KPFA this evening only. This whole package is available with a pledge of $150. We'll be, keep giving more information about these premiums, but please know they are limited. We have 10 of these packages available, and they are only available during Full Circle. You must call into the phone room to claim the one-time package, and that number is 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA to claim this gift from our collection of On Audre Lord. You want to call and speak with a phone room volunteer. They're waiting to hear from you. Please do so now, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. If the works you're hearing on, on the show and you're about to hear more, if you want to add your support to KPFA, you can also subscribe as a member, a, a subscriber to KPFA by way of our secure online donation page. Go to kpfa.org and click on the donate button. Our thanks to all of those who have already donated. We know KPFA is important to you and it shows with your support. Thank you. The number uh, one last time is 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Or give us a click online at kpfa.org. Let's move on to more of Audre Lorde. Audrey was uh, involved in the civil rights movement, the birth of the gay pride, the development of the women's liberation movement and feminism, and became a symbol of literary success in American culture of those not of the mainstream population. Audrey was first known as a poet, but found she had a talent for teaching. She was an instructor at John Jay and at Hunter Colleges, she was a compelling educator. Combining these skills, Lord became a noted essayist. Here is a selection from There Is No Hierarchy of Difference. It's being read by the actress Lauren Lyons and is followed by a commentary by Audrey herself. I was born black and a woman. I am trying to become the strongest person I can become, to live the life I have been given and to help affect change toward a livable future for this earth and for my children. As a black, lesbian, feminist, socialist, poet, mother of two, including one boy and member of an interracial couple, I usually find myself part of some group in which the majority defines me as deviant, 
difficult, inferior, or just plain wrong. From my membership in all of these groups, I have learned that oppression and the intolerance of difference come in all shapes and sizes and colors and sexualities, and that among those of us who share the goals of liberation and a workable future for our children, there can be no hierarchies of oppression. I have learned that sexism, a belief in the inherent superiority of one sex over all others and thereby its right to dominance, and heterosexism, a belief in the inherent superiority of one pattern of loving over all others and thereby its right to dominance, both arise from the same source as racism, a belief in the inherent superiority of one race over all others and thereby its right to dominance. Oh, says a voice from the black community, but being black is normal. Well, I and many black people of my age can remember grimly the days when it didn't used to be. I simply do not believe that one aspect of myself can possibly profit from the oppression of another part of my identity. I know that my people cannot possibly profit from the oppression of any other group which seeks the right to peaceful existence. Rather, we diminish ourselves by denying to others what we have shed blood to obtain for our children. And those children need to learn that they do not have to become like each other in order to work together for a future they will all share. The increasing attacks upon lesbians and gay men are only an introduction to the increasing attacks upon all black people. For wherever oppression manifests itself in this country, black people are potential victims. And it is a standard of right-wing cynicism to encourage members of oppressed groups to act against each other. And so long as we are divided because of our particular identities, we cannot join together in effective political action. Within the lesbian community, I am black, and within the black community, I am a lesbian. Any attack against black people is a lesbian and gay issue because I and thousands of other black women are part of the lesbian community. Any attack against lesbians and gays is a black issue because thousands of lesbians and gay men are black. There is no hierarchy of oppression. It is not accidental that the Family Protection Act, which is virulently anti-woman and anti-black, is also anti-gay. As a black person, I know who my enemies are. And when the Ku Klux Klan goes to court in Detroit to try and force the Board of Education to remove books the Klan believes hint at homosexuality, then I know I cannot afford the luxury of fighting one form of oppression only. I cannot afford to believe that freedom from intolerance is the right of only one particular group, and I cannot afford to choose between the fronts upon which I must battle these forces of discrimination wherever they appear to destroy me. And when they appear to destroy me, it will not be long before they appear to destroy you. In other words, we need, as a movement encourages you or me or Yvonne to define ourselves, we deal with our similarities and then we must deal with our differences and the differences that are not being dealt with or provided for. Now, once we deal with those differences that aren't being provided for, we do it in a context that says, hey, then we can use these differences without, we don't have to eradicate them, we don't have to, you know, wipe them out. My mic's not on. We also don't have to remain with them. There is a total larger picture, and that's how I see it. In other words, I'm talking about the creative use of difference. Welcome back to Full Circle here on KPFA. I'm your host, Darlene Pagano, being joined by Andrea Cannon, celebrating the life of Audre Lorde. What you heard was part of an essay, There Is No Hierarchy of Difference, written by Audre Lorde. 
Andrea, these clips put the black lesbian experience front and center and then help us understand how Audrey identified with the struggles of people no matter their orientation or race or gender. In fact, I have to really say that on top of what you heard her saying is that being a feminist, being a black lesbian feminist meant teaching, but it meant living that life fully. So her life was about loving women, loving men, loving all of the parts of herself, as well as loving all of the parts of the people she engaged with, whether it was a student or a lover or a friend or even a not friend, but seeing um, every level of them being in love with our exquisite different beings. Thank you for opening that up, Andrea. That reminds me to mention that several of the clips I wish we had time to air tonight were a number from young black men who express how Audrey's poetry and essays have been real anchors of support for their growth in understanding difference and power and hierarchy. That's for another show. We're going to take a moment to encourage more people on the line. Please show your support for the apprenticeship program for KPFA and, two for your appreciation for Audre Lorde. Please make your support known. Give us a call, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA or online at kpfa.org. Thanks to all those who are on the line and uh, online now. Let's keep the calls coming, 1-800-439-5732. And also, we have a secure website, kpfa.org, and click on the Donate button. Remember, only for this hour can you get the package of works by and about Audre Lorde for a pledge of $150. If that would be possible for you, if we you could make payments... Over three or six months? Well, just let the phone room volunteer know that's your choice. Call 1-800-439-5732. The package is the biography Warrior Poet, a volume of the collected poems, the DVD of Litany for Survival from Third World Newsreel, and the DVD of the Berlin Years. Don't just take our word here tonight on the importance of Audre Lorde in struggles for freedom and justice in black liberation, the gay and lesbian struggle, the women's movement, feminism, and international solidarity. Here is Angela Davis giving a talk on Audre Lorde in 2002. Whenever I come to Mecca Evers College, she said, I always feel a thrill of anticipation and delight because it feels like coming home, like talking to family, having a chance to speak about things that are very important to me with people who matter the most. But as with all families, we sometimes find it difficult to deal constructively with the genuine differences between us and to recognize that unity does not require that we be identical to each other. Unity she was specifically 
Finally, speaking about the influence of homophobia uh, on black women, on otherwise progressive black women. She worked hard to pull apart the assumption that sameness was a prerequisite for unity. And 20 years after her death, we rely, we continue to rely on her insights, uh, whether we acknowledge them or not. Uh, we continue to rely on her insights whenever we attempt to imagine and organize radical movements that bring together people across racial, gender, sexual, national borders. And of course there are important feminist ideas which assist us in our research and our activism that would have been unimaginable without the contributions of Audre Lorde. And this notion of the creative power of difference is one of them. Western cultures have had a hard time allowing difference to do its work. In order to be acceptable, it has to be capable of integration, incorporation, homogenization. This logic has helped to bolster not only homophobia, but racisms of many sorts. Anti-indigenous racism, anti-black, anti-Latino, anti-Asian, anti-Muslim. In another essay which is uh, included in the collection Sister Outsider that is called Age, Race, Class, and Sex, she wrote, the need for unity is often misnamed as a need for homogeneity. The need for unity is often misnamed as a need for homogeneity. It is often assumed that diversity is equivalent to the end of racism. And somehow or another, we sought to name the process of moving toward justice. Uh, it seems that once the word diversity entered into the frame, it kind of colonized everything else. And all we talk about now is diversity. <laughs> and sometimes it means integrate different looking people into a process that remains the same. that is not allowed to do its work. Difference that does not make a difference. This is why diversity was so quickly taken up as a corporate strategy. Don't reorganize the exploitative character of capitalist production. Just make sure that more black people, more women, more Latinos, etc., can actually profit from that exploitation. That we cannot uh, make diversity do important work, but it's a, but but we have to recognize that it's not just about diversity; it's about justice. In another very important essay that is in the collection, Sister Outsider, um, 
perhaps the most well-known of her essays, The Master's Tools. We'll never dismantle the master's house. So. Andre Lloyd insists that, quote, difference must be not merely tolerated, but seen as a fund of necessary polarities between which our creativity can spark like a dialectic. Should I repeat that? Yeah. <laughs> The key to understanding the importance of Roger Lord's contributions, I believe. Difference must be not merely tolerated, but seen as a fund of necessary polarities between which our creativity can spark like a dialectic. She goes on to emphasize what she calls an interdependency of different strengths. Acknowledged and equal. And this interdependency of different strengths can help generate new ways of being in the world. And so she urges us to grasp the notion of a creative potential of difference rather than a destructive potential of difference. See, insistence on interdependency instead of hierarchy and the idea of uncharted worlds, uncharted worlds, new ways of being that remain, you know, all of these ideas remain absolutely essential to radical thought and action in the 21st century. The notion of difference as generative, as productive, as creative, militates against some of the basic underpinnings of Western logic. They have become ideological frameworks of normality. Audre Lorde constantly urged us to think beyond the normal, the normalized, I should say, beyond the acceptable. The fact that she always introduced herself as a black, lesbian, feminist, mother, warrior, poet, <laughs> was an effort to demystify assumptions that these terms cannot inhabit the same space. Black and lesbian, lesbian and mother, mother and warrior, warrior and poet. She insisted on what we might call a politics of articulation a politics of articulation that became the very groundwork of what came to be regarded as the feminist methodology of intersectionality. And if I had time, I, I would, would talk about uh, the important impact her ideas had on the development of feminist studies uh, within the uh, uh, academy. And not only on feminist studies, uh, but on interdisciplinary studies uh, in, 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 in general. That was Angela Davis with a presentation she gave in 2012 on the importance of the political analysis of Audre Lorde. I want to mention our website of, for, for the KPFA apprenticeship. That's kpfaapprentice.org. There you can listen to our past shows, get links to other interesting websites. That's also where you can download an application and apply for the KPFA apprenticeship program. That's kpfa 
Apprentice, let me say that again, all one word, kpfaapprentice.org. Check it out online anytime. We have been given a match, folks. We have a match online that was given to us of $250. And uh, that, we, uh, I believe, came from Brentwood, not in the immediate Bay Area. We are not just Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco. KPFA reaches through its transmitters in and uh, responder uh, stations all over Northern California. And remember, tonight, as you're trying to help us make that match, we are offering a, pa- a premium package of two books and two DVDs of Audrey's work for a donation of $150. And you're welcome to break that down into payments. If you happen to be out of the broadcast range and are listening online, you can donate securely by clicking on the donate tab at kpfa.org we have a second premium as well that's an option for you to pick up for a pledge of 75 dollars you can get the dvd entitled the berlin years that is part of the four-piece uh, packet but you can get that separately this documents a period of audrey's life when she went to germany to receive alternative treatments for breast cancer which were not available were even illegal in the u.s she became a mentor and and a strength for the just beginning civil rights movement of afro germans she went there to receive medical treatment and to heal but Audrey was her whole political self at all times, and the need was there, and she responded. The movement there was just beginning to organize against European racism, and she especially became a necessary force when she made a special push for Afro-German gays and lesbians to identify themselves publicly and take on the double struggle against stigma and bias. That DVD, The Berlin Yours, can be yours for a pleasure of $75. For all of you out there listening, thinking that a gift you, um, any gift that you would be able to give is just too small to bother, I say, think again, think again. Call your gift, your donation, your subscription in right now and have it doubled by a listener online. Full Circle has a fun drive, uh, a goal of $1,500 tonight, $1,500 for this Apprentice-created show. There is no such thing as too little right now, folks. We are trying to match $250 immediately, and we are also hoping to uh, entice you to uh, make a commitment to KPFA by uh, accepting the package of Audre Lorde materials that are going for $150, you can make payments, and $75. Matching funds go quite a way to make each fundraising goal and therefore to KPFA's all all over goal. Um, KPFA so far as of this after this evening has reached $396,000 out of our $525,000 goal. The faster we reach that goal, the quicker this fundraise drive ends. And I know that's that's itself is a reward for many of you. Help uh, this station end this pledge drive early. Only one out of every eight KPFA listeners ever contributes or subscribes to KPFA. If 
Two out of five listeners subscribed. I wish I hadn't picked that word. We would never have to have fun drives. Just think how much more interesting content uh, would be on the air with no fun drives. So make them end, folks. Make them end. This is a power entirely within the hands of the listeners to end pledge drives forever. A contribution of any size works. Please get in on the matching gift of $250. That's kpfa.org to do that online. If you are uh, subscribing with the intent of getting a premium, please call the phone room. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. A big thank you to those who have already called and to those who are on the line right now and to those of you who are going on the website. I'm sure you are there. Andrea, an important part of Audrey's identity and an incredible gift of hers was to be a healer. Could you talk a little bit about that aspect of her life? Well, for me personally, um, in many ways, she saved my life. I met her when I was uh, about 30 years old. I was a clinical social worker. I had a master's degree. My daughter was five years old. We were the kind of friends that, you know, the kind where you talk when you first meet each other and you tell your stories until you start repeating your stories. That kind of friend, that kind of girlfriend. When I began repeating a story about something that had happened to me as an adolescent, she stopped me. She asked me sharp, clear, direct questions, and I answered them. When I finished telling the story, she looked at me and she said, how do you feel? And I looked back at her at like, feel, what do you mean? The look on her face was a look of, I don't know what the word is, that's not pity, but when a beloved one, you are so hurt for them, that that's the look, and rage. I had been sexually abused by a powerful Methodist minister in New Orleans, Louisiana, from the time I was 11 until the time he died when I was 19. Even at 30 years old, I hadn't put it together that what I had gone through was something horrific. That moment, that time, when I watched her love me and be so rageful was the first time I saw what had been done to me, like I understood, and I began to heal. I was 30 years old. She walked with me like she walked through with many other people through illness, through loss of their children, through loss of their jobs, through living alive and out as black, lesbian, gay, queer, whatever we were and what it cost us. I also lost my job at the state of Louisiana because I said I was a lesbian. I sued with the ACLU. I lost, but Audre Lorde and um, feminist women across this country helped me. She was... She was gay. She was so alive. She was powerful. She was insistent. She was certain 
that each of us had the power to heal ourselves and each other. She didn't take no for an answer. She wasn't an easy woman, I must say. She was not easy. She was amazing. She was powerful. And what I didn't like a lot was that she was mostly right. I loved her. I adored her. But more than that, one of the things, another healing thing that she did around even writing and publishing was that whenever she came to a place, she always made sure that the writers and artists, um, uh, black lesbian artists and writers, not always even black, she also served. So she came to Stanford uh, uh, at least once a year. Whenever she came to the Bay Area, she also read with Blackberry and P Pat Parker, people she loved and adored as well. Um, she was just amazing. She was a friend. She was beloved. And she was not an icon. She was just Audrey. Andrea, thank you. The emotional aspects of our work to help each other in this world is often given short shrift. And thank you for bringing out this aspect of Audra's fierce heart. Let me remind you all that this is KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley. We're bringing you a celebration of the work of Audra Lord in this the 25th year since her passing. If you like to have this sort of commemoration and appreciation of inspiring voices such as hers, please let KPFA know that with your financial support, call 1-800-HEY-KPFA. That's 1-800-439-5732 or go online to kpfa.org. Support Full Circle, the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, and KPFA. All right, something's going on out there. I am happy to hear. We have just gotten, this is actually a third match. This is another $250 match. And uh, remind me of what, from El Cerrito. Coming in closer to Berkeley, thank you all. Um, and we want to match that. We have, and the third, in case I didn't get around to that one, we have a $200 match from Julian Bader in Vancouver. So it, uh, listening online is an important source for many people to get free speech radio. So we have matches out there galore. We need you folks to um, finally make that call. You've been meaning to. You were going to. Going to. This is the time to do it. This is the time to show support for the KPFA apprenticeship program. This is the time to show, of course, your support for free speech radio, KPFA. And it's also the time for you to show your support for what are still called alternative voices uh, in the world. And uh, Full Circle has a particular commitment to making sure that those voices get on the air. I'll remind you that KPFA is trying to end this fund drive at least two days earlier than was originally planned. If you want this to end, to stop on Thursday morning, please call in and make that pledge. There's a lot of money on the line right now that wants to double your donation. So remember, there is no small donation at this moment. Everything grows f further. It doubles. It's twice as much. I don't know how else to say it. You get more. Please call in. 
$5, $10. You might have been embarrassed to call that in some other day, but not during full circle, not during such a matching pledge drive. This coming week, KPFA would rather be covering the New Republican effort to overturn the Affordable Care Act, the struggle to reinstate or actually to eliminate DACA, the increasing tension that is being recklessly allowed with North Korea and many international struggles, important events, um, heartbreaking disasters. Why do we have to take up your time with fund drive uh, fundraising? Because that's how KPFA stays on the air. Not just because you turn the dial, you have to also contribute to the station. This is one of the early, this station was started in 1949. Kickstarter campaigns started what? In 2015, KPFA predates Kickstarter campaigns by, what, 66 years? And so if you've ever contributed to a Kickstarter campaign, just give a little extra here. The people that started the idea of listener, community-sponsored radio. Again, give us $5 just as a vote of confidence. It's $10 by the time it's matched. Uh, have you already, uh, are you already a subscriber? And you say, well, I've already subscribed. You can always add another $10 gift on to your subscription. And look, this at this moment, it's doubled. We are trusting you, the listeners, to donate now, to choose your gifts now, to subscribe now, and to offer an additional a gift on top of what you've already pledged maybe six months ago. Um, a $5 gift, as I've said, is noted here at KPFA. The $5 may be an additional gift, or it may be a vote of confidence, or it may be the amount you can manage to give right now, but we appreciate it and we note it. Help us end the fun drive early, at least two days early. Uh, help KPFA do what you want it to do. Be free speech radio, be the information source in the world. So I, it's been a whole two minutes since I've given you all these numbers. Let me do it again. Call us at 1-800-439-5732. If you're listening online, you can donate securely on our website, kpfa.org. Again, the number, 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Audrey. Audrey died of breast cancer in 1992 at the age of 58. Yet her work, her ideas, her understanding of difference, her passionate support, and her rage at injustice means her name is still active and well and is still among us. I want to say, um, please do give to KPFA. It's really, really important. The gifts that are available to you are so valuable. Audrey died when she was 58, but she didn't want to die. Eight years earlier, doctors told her that she would die. American doctors said, there's nothing that can be done for you. I sat across from her dining room table with her um, in New York on St. Paul's Avenue, and that's what the doctors were saying. You have metastasized breast cancer in your liver, and you're going to die. But she didn't. 
She went to Europe. She went to Germany. She fought for her life. She was fierce. She said, I have more to write. And she did write more. And her work is still alive and so important. So do, please do, give to KPFA. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you very much. Let's enjoy one last brief clip of Audrey reading. This one is from one of her most famous essays, Your Silence Will Not Protect You. I was going to die, if not sooner than later, whether or not I had ever spoken myself. My silences had not protected me. Your silence will not protect you. What are the words you do not yet have? What do you need to say? What are the tyrannies you swallow day by day and attempt to make your own until you will sicken and die of them still in silence? Perhaps... For some of you here today, I am the face of one of your fears. Because I am woman. Because I am black. Because I am lesbian. Because I am myself. A black woman warrior doing my work. Come to ask you, are you doing yours? Andrea, that was the merest start on Audrey's, uh, Audrey's influence. I know she had some very sharp statements and quotes that have been vital to you. Give us a couple and briefly their significance in your life. I'll give you one. Um, I was really struggling with my mother um, around being a black lesbian in a relationship with a white woman raising my daughter. Audrey said to me in one of our early morning conversations, all that has known life struggles to maintain it. I was so frustrated. It's like, please, no proverbs, no, you know, no deep intellectual talk. What do you mean? What does that mean? She simply repeated, all that has known life struggles to maintain it. I have learned from those words again and again. Think about it. Oh, we need more time. She deserves more time. Let's think about coming back to this in the spring when we can devote the whole hour to her humor, her sexiness, her own struggles, and more of her personal history. We're coming up to the end of tonight's show, and I want to go back and remind you we have matches on the table. I so appreciate how many people called in to make a match. They're saying to all you other listeners, let's get in on this together. So please, all of you folks who uh, fear that you're you can't do enough, you can't uh, make the the big the big contributions. No, no, no. We need them all. And tonight, uh, because of your fellow listeners, 
all of your matches are going to be doubled. Also remember, those of you who have the funds and would like to have material from Audrey, make gifts of material to Audrey, you have a match on the table. Okay, I will ask Lisa, I will thank Lisa in Oakland for her $35 that just came in. So there you go, Lisa, $35, and you know what's going to be given to KPFA, $70 in your name for your effort. We, as I say, are coming up to the end of tonight's show, so please don't miss out. We've, uh, we have pulled together an amazing package of materials, books and DVDs about Audre Lord. Claim them if you can. If $150 is too much all at once, did you know that KPFA makes payments, payment plans with folks? Which we certainly do. Call those phone volunteers. They want to be busy. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Please tune in next week to Full Circle, where we are going to come back. Uh, it will be a program on Filipino American History Month. Did I hear that right? We made the match. We made the match. Thank you very much. Sorry to raise my voice there. Uh, I've been your host, Darlene. Uh, let me just give credit where credit is due. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Jay- Joy Moore is our production consultant. I've been your host, Darlene Pagano, joined by the amazing Andrea Kanan and her insight on her friend, Audre Lord. Special thanks to Ket. Kat Petru on sound and our tech assists Sharon and Steve from Apprentice Group 43. Oh, and Avi and probably more. I think we've got the whole Apprentice uh, team out there learning how to tech assist tonight. Thank you for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Stay tuned. La Onda Bajita is next, but you still have a moment to call. Get in in the next two minutes to have your pledge recorded as support for Full Circle and the first voice Apprenticeship Program, KPFA's premier broadcast training program. We are full circle. Please make that move. Give us a call, 1-800-8439-5732. And if you're listening online, you can donate securely by going to kpfa.org. As Did I miss this? Next week is Filipino American History Month programming. Good night. Please call.